Welcome to Grayson 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Ed Mellick, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sal Dietrich. Sal, you excited about tonight's program? Ed, great show on tap tonight for those in the cause of social justice. Tonight we have Virginians Organized for Interfaith Community Engagement, or VOICES, it's known, uh, a nonpartisan, and in these times, thank God for that, nonpartisan, multi-faith, multi-racial, multi-economic organization fighting for social justice causes here in Northern Virginia, right here in Arlington County. This is the sort of organization, if you've never heard a voice, that is willing to take the cause of social justice to the technology titans, to the top floor of organizations like GE, Fortune 500s to fight for Virginians when mortgages are in jeopardy or incomes are too low. Tonight we're joined by Robert Buckman, a leader with voice since its formation in 2008. He'll be here to tell us about a number of voices, social justice initiatives, how each of us can get involved and uh, deliver a message here of civic involvement and health to our community and our country. Robert, my friend, welcome to the Grace and 30 radio show. Sal, Ed, thank you very much. I'm really honored to be here, and I'm excited to talk about voice. Since its inception, and even before, it has been my passion and indeed my purpose. Emphasizing that voice really is a power organization which distinguishes our, us from other social justice organizations uh, that exist. You mentioned um, uh, holding uh, large corporations accountable. I think nothing really explains what Voice does better than when we held the largest banks in the country accountable for their predatory lending practice in Prince William County. I want to kick off with that story because it's it's really a cool story how you guys marched. Uh, 75 Voice reps marched on GE's D.C. offices and delivered pink slips to uh, Jeff Immelt. And uh, tell us about what you guys did and what you accomplished by doing that. Actually, it was Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, and General Electric, which at the time had a mortgage subsidiary. We quickly determined that these three banks were responsible for most of the predatory lending that took place in Prince William County. Uh, we organized we uh, started building a constituent for, for this. The first thing that we did was to have uh, receive proxies to attend the Bank of America shareholders meeting. At this meeting, Clyde Ellis, Reverend Clyde Ellis from Macedonia Baptist Church in Woodbridge, got the microphone and gave the chief, the CEO and president, Brian Mahoney, the what for for its predatory lending practices. He immediately appointed someone to work with us. It was a little harder net with General Electric. We kept knocking on the door, but no one answered. Finally, we organized a march in district. We all assembled at New York Avenue Presbyterian and marched to the Washington office of General Electric with big signs all the way singing, hey, hey, ho, ho, Jeff Immelt must go. We <laughs> occupied the uh, ground floor, uh, the lobby of the building, which was subsequently locked down for two days, and held a press conference. Still, no one answered the door. Finally, someone gave us their proxies, and someone at General Electric, a smart person, noticed why were all this, these clergy from Northern Virginia registering for our shareholders meeting. <laughs> the next thing you know, we received a phone call. 
Okay, guys, you can speak at the shareholders' meeting, or you can have 30 minutes with Jeff Immelt. Well, naturally, we took the others. I wasn't personally involved, but a group of clergy and lay leaders went up to Connecticut to meet with him. One quote from that meeting that I remember is him saying, a great company doesn't do this. And he appointed a negotiating team to work with us to satisfy our requirements. And he said, please come back in two months' time, wrote the date and time on the calendar. In two months' time, we came back. He said, how are we doing? He said, well, your negotiating team has dissed us right and left. Wouldn't meet with us, wouldn't listen to us. He took them out into the hall. Oh, boy. When they came back, they were chasing, and he said, we'll do whatever Bank of America does. Uh, getting to see Jamie Dimon in uh, J.P. Morgan Chase was a harder nut. But in the meantime, we were, a whole, we were developing an alliance with Senator Mark Warner. And he said, you got a meeting with Jeff Immel? And after that, he called up Jamie Dimon, and we got a meeting there. I actually saw a million-dollar check from J.P. Morgan Chase. And in the fine analysis, and while we're doing this, we're holding huge meetings, but representatives of the banks in front of 1,000 people, 600 people, so they knew that there was power and persistence and consistency beside what we're doing. Final analysis, what did we win? We won $250 million of principal reduction, 1,500 cases of loan modification. We got credit restoration for those people who have been foreclosed upon. And we got commitments to adopt the best practices. Incredible. It was, uh, you know, we call it a big victory, but I think anything that we do that helps people is a big victory. And let's start, because folks are listening and they're not familiar with voice, and they're saying, how can these folks pull this off? And I think we want to talk a little bit about how voice is organized, what what is sort of the secret sauce behind this. Uh, a lot of it is that it is, in fact, multi-faith, and it's focused on social justice. But also talk about the scale of what you all are achieving here in Northern Virginia by breaking down these barriers and allowing uh, people of different faiths, different groups to come together around issues that we all feel strong about. Ed, I know you, you've done some looking at this. Jump in here. That's a good question. Just give us give us a background on who Voice is. Um, you're multi-faith, you're, you're multi-racial, multi-economic, multi-issue. You call yourself a, a citizen's power organization. Just break that down for us. Tell us who you are. Sure. You know, Voice is organized in Alexandria, Prince William, Arlington, and Alexandria. We have about 45 member institutions, only institutions join our join voice, with a combined membership of 180,000 households. Now that's power to begin with. We teach, we believe in the world that it should be, characterized by the golden rule, but the world that it is, is really, the, the currency is really power and self-interest. So we Jews, and we Muslims, and we Catholics, and we Protestants, and we Unitarian Universalists take our shared values into the public arena where we look at problems in terms of power and self-interest. Uh, I must say that we have, uh, we're really nonpartisan. We we have really have no permanent enemies and no permanent friends. We have only permanent issues. And our issues are not ones that we think of ourselves. Our issues all are derived from conversations in the community. And you all are having those conversations at different um, churches and organizations that are affiliated with you. For example, we, we got turned on to you all through the Dar al-Hidra 
mosque and they when they came on this show they said look you got to get voice in here because there's no other organization like this maybe in the united states but certainly in northern virginia that's bringing all these people together to sit down and talk about things that we all find common things of decency and social justice that resonate with all of us and that's got to have a huge impact because I, i imagine when you all go in and meet with uh, congressmen or people and you say I've got 180,000 voters strong and you know that's got to have tremendous uh, resonation yeah it's very funny when you, you mentioned that when you met with uh, Congressman Moran for an hour and a half and his chief of staff was next to you and he only took one note the <laughs> chief of staff in the meeting and that meeting was 125,000 yeah, people that was interesting <laughs> I was surprised that he gave us an hour and a half to begin with but his chief of staff was sitting next to me and we had just we hadn't been in existence very long, and so I looked over at the chief of staff to see what he had written after an hour and a half. He only wrote 125,000, because at the time we had 34 member institutions with a combined membership of 125,000. Sal mentioned, um, you know, there's not a lot of other organizations. You, you actually have sort of a, we were talking about this before the program, a, a pseudo-parent organization. And underneath them, there's many other organizations similar to you around the country that are doing the same thing. So it's kind of much broader than just Northern Virginia, correct? Yes, we're a kind of affiliate of the Industrial Areas Foundation. It was established as a training institute for community organizing by Sal Alinsky in Chicago in the 30s and 40s. And he provided really the template for community organizing. Uh, We all remember that Barack Obama was a community organizer in his early days, and he got the same kind of training that that Alinsky taught. Uh, The industrial areas has about, we have about, I think, 85 sister organizations which do what we do. And I could tell you, social justice has been a, a lifelong commitment of myself, and I don't believe that there's any organizations that that I've read about, participated and heard about have a greater record of accomplishment than we do with this model that it, that he established. Yeah, it's cool because I'm I was talking to you a little bit about the Build organization in Baltimore and they just secured 1.1 billion dollars in public financing for the construction, rebuilding, and renovation of more than a third of Baltimore's uh, public schools. That's, that's a major victory, and, and that was... Build, Build is a fantastic organization. I think they've been around for 35 years. And do you know that Build won the first living wage campaign in the United States? Now I think 150 cities and jurisdictions have adopted living wage, but it was first done by Build in Baltimore. In uh, Massachusetts, uh, the Greater Boston uh, Organization has, uh, they were responsible for establishing universal health care in Massachusetts. Let me ask you, we'll come back to this at the end, but, you know, there's a, a large list of Northern Virginia congregations who are members of Voice. If someone's listening to this, maybe they've been on the fence or they want to go back to their own congregation about getting involved with voice, what are some ways that people can do that, and, and how does that kind of start? How does a, an, a congregation decide to join in voice? I guess many different ways. The way that I'm most familiar with is someone in a congregation or an organization hears about voice and invites someone, such as myself or one of our organizers, to uh, talk to the congregation. And gradually they become educated in the ways And uh, it's not a hard sell, but it's not an easy sell either. Most people look at social justice as advocacy or service 
or is writing checks. All of this is very, very important. Uh, but we as a power organization, a lot of people are uncomfortable with the word power. So it's it's getting involved. It's one minister or one rabbi or one imam calling their congregation, calling someone in another congregation. On the other hand, we have re received cold calls. People are familiar with our website, which has contact information, and they contact us. I mean, if someone who's in need is going to reach out to you. Someone who's got an issue that's burning, perhaps, in their area and they are looking for voice right well yeah. just remember voice is not a service organization individuals do not cannot join voice yep. it's uh, we believe that power is the result of organized people and organized money and so existing organizations like churches or universities or ptas or or, or almost any other kind of organization provides that uh provides that let's give you a break here we're talking with Robert Buckman, a key member of the Virginians Organized for Interfaith Community Engagement, VOICE, a citizen's power organization that's been fighting for the rights of low- and middle-income residents in Northern Virginia for nearly a decade. Look, I want to get back to some of these amazing stories that uh, that, that you all have, and, and they go on and on, but you've been very active uh, here in the Arlington area in Alexandria and Fairfax addressing issues uh, of low-income housing. Uh, you've been fighting to preserve um, affordable apartments, public housing units um, from sort of upscale developers. Uh, d tell us a little bit about that journey, successes, maybe some, some barriers you've hit, and, and just dealing with the whole economic situation here in Northern Virginia, which is there's not a lot of, not a lot of good places to do this anymore. It's, it's become very expensive to build in Northern Virginia, particularly here in Arlington County. Well, affordable housing is a central issue in all jurisdictions of voice because affordable housing is disappearing. Arlington alone has lost 30 13,000 affordable rental units in the last 10 years. Well, Voice organizes consistently and persistently. In Fairfax City, for example, for the first time ever, affordable housing is now in the strategic plan. We have go to the mat every time a non-for-profit developer is uh, uh, has a proposal before our county boards, uh, Arlington or, uh, or elsewhere, to bring a, a body of, uh, of people together in support of that. Uh, affordable housing goes into other directions as well. There's an occasion where, you know, most of our issues come from the community. One of the issues came with that these, let's call it slum apartments in the Colmore section of Fairfax County. People were complaining regularly about the conditions there. And uh, we eventually, we organized that community. We brought the fire marshal and the county supervisor available, and they committed to do inspections within two weeks, found 900 code violations. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, comment, I, one of the trends we've seen here in Arlington County are, um, you know, the wonderful partnership between uh, congregations and looking to develop affordable housing. There's There's some of that that's happening on Columbia Pike here in Arlington with the uh, Presbyterian Church there. My my wife and I frequented that clothing bank for probably 10 years. It's an incredible mission. And then uh, right here in the Boston area with uh, Central Sim United Methodist, a wonderful congregation uh, there as well. Uh, you know, sometimes I think 
that the default position in the community is no when it comes <laughs> to affordable housing. Indeed, Arlington Presbyterian, which is a member institution of voice, ran into a local, a lot of unseemly, in our opinion, opposition to uh, uh, to selling their property to a non-profit for a developer and building affordable housing. Voice went to the mat and provided a lot of support. Ditto with uh, um, uh, Central UMC, which is not a member of Voice. And I think we're both, we're instrumental in both cases to uh, bring them to fruition. Even earlier on, Macedonia Baptist Church in Nauk wanted to build affordable housing across the street, and it was pulled from the county agenda. Well, we, I think I might have been myself, called the county board and demanded that it be back on the agenda, and it was. Let's let's talk about uh, what you called your secret weapon uh, for for bringing about change, which is these one-on-one discussions. Just people listening. Talk, I'd like you to talk a little bit about your process, and you know, tell us about that process. How you get out in the community, or you get in front of people, and you you build these relationships. You listen. Voice has no issues of its own. All its issues come from the community. It comes from the community in what we call listening sessions. We meet with groups of people. For example, if we are meeting with a group of Muslim youth, we might ask the question, what is the, are you experiencing in school? Uh, or generally, you might say, for people who have moved to Virginia, what has the promise of Northern Virginia, what has been your experience with the promise of Northern Virginia? And from there, we, <laughs> you know, it's unexpected, the things we hear, but we'll look at We'll look at the problems that people make, and we try to convert them into issues that are specific, actionable, and winnable. So once we hear of a problem, we do what we call a research action. We try to learn about it, and we also do a power analysis. Well, who is the decision maker? Who can fix this problem? What is their self-interest? And what other instruments of power can be brought to bear? Is it the newspaper? Is it this radio station, what is it that can influence this person? And and once we decide that it is a winnable issue, we start having more and more listening sessions in the community, identifying leaders, training leaders, and building up a constituency of support. And we always put a face on the issue. We're always looking to identify people who are willing and able to tell their compelling stories. Uh, can I tell, do we have time for a, a little Arlington story. Jo- please, we please. Got jump in here. We Go were having, uh, early on in voice, we were having a lis- listening sessions on the western end of Columbia Pike. We thought that we'd hear about affordable housing, how expensive it was to uh, deliver it. But we heard we cannot get to the Department of Human Services. It used to be they would get on the 30 art bus and go to Clarendon and be there right away. But the county for necessity, moved uh, DHS over to Washington Boulevard, and the people on the western end of Columbia Pike, which is the largest constituency, largest client base for DHS, had to take two buses. So when you have to make transfers, I mean, it's impossible to make, uh, I mean, and we heard stories like having to spend $10 each way to a gypsy cab driver to get there. It's an interesting approach because you have this organized approach. I mean, in some ways, you know, you don't. There's there's a million issues, right? There's issues every day, but yet you have this sort of targeted approach at kind of getting at it, and and that has won you all the governor's award for volunteerism and community service. We're very proud of that. 
Ed, jump in here. You always like the stories of how people get here themselves and how that goes. Well, you, you talked to me on the phone. You, you said your life has been like a straight line. You, you've been clearly you're passionate about this. You've been passionate about social justice issues for 50 years. Um, tell us a little bit about your background and, and, and how you your upbringing and, and how this passion seemed to emerge from your in your heart. Sure. It's, you know, injustice has always been a hot-button issue for me. I've been a Unitarian Universalist for about a half a century, most of it in the Unitarian Universalist Church of Arlington. But I was raised in a Reformed Jewish household in uh, Long Branch, New Jersey. I was born in 1940. I'm an old guy. <laughs> and so by the time I was eight or nine, I knew about the Holocaust. I knew that three of my four grandparents were refugees from Anatevka-like villages in Eastern Europe. And my uh, father told my sister and I, he was from an earlier generation, that if there wasn't a law against it, we'd be hanging from telephone poles. Well, I mean, that can make a lifelong impression on a person. And growing up, I was also a free-range kid. And I had a lot of friends in what was the African-Americans neighborhood in Long Branch. And while we were not wealthy by any means, and, we, and I didn't know the word structural inequality, it was clear that there was something different about how my friends lived and how, how we lived. And so... All my life, it has uh, been involved in this. And when I, when I heard about voice, I was really turned on because I had been involved in a lot of social action activities in my life. But I had come to a point where I was looking back and saying, so much that I was involved in had no lancing consequence. Now, don't get me wrong. If a person has to eat, you need to feed them. If a person doesn't have a roof over their head, you have to provide it. But what voice struck me is about making lasting systemic change. One of the victories in Arlington, for example, uh, we convinced Fairfax County, Alexandria, and Arlington to cough up $100,000 a year between them for another dentist at the Northern Virginia Dental Clinic. You know what this means? 1,800 additional appointments for low-income adults year after year after year. Yeah, and just recently, uh, if, I, if I could go on, just recently, uh, some of our victories that have really warmed my heart. We recently had the superintendent of schools in Fairfax County commit to honor Jewish and Muslim holidays. Henceforth, there will be no tests, no uh, school photographs, no major of any events the day before, the day of, and the day after Muslim or Jewish holidays. And absence from school to honor these holidays will be not counted against the student's attendance record. And in, also, during Ramadan, and students in Fairfax County will no longer be required to go to the cafeteria. We got a similar commitment, not about Ramadan, but about honoring Jewish and Muslim holidays in Prince William County. These are, these are major things. I want to ask you. We've got, um, you know, we've got an election for governor coming up here in the state of Virginia. You all are probably planning some activities. Do you want to spend a minute and talk sure, about? Sure, we are planning. We've been working 
uh, for <laughs> over a year, we've been having listening sessions, and we've involved 5,000 residents of Northern Virginia in listening sessions to identify issues. And we're planning to have an action, a, a mass meeting, 2,000 people, up to 2,000 people, and put the two gubernatorial candidates in front of these people to ask them yes or no questions. Our areas of interest, of course, are affordable housing, criminal justice reform, uh, school inequality and immigration and Muslim issues. And we're now in the process of honing our, uh, our questions. But, you know, while we, I have this microphone, I'm going to say, you know, one of the things that has disturbed us is the, that Virginia leads the nation in the school-to-jail pipeline. So if anybody listening has any experience in this, about kids being in Arlington or Alexandria being sent, referred to the student resource officer, the cop that's assigned to schools, and end up in the criminal justice system being sent hundreds of miles from home to a juvenile detention field. Please contact us. Please contact us. You know, do you know Virginia and New Jersey have the lowest felony criteria in the nation? In Virginia, if you steal something for $200, that is a grand larceny. You cannot commit a misdemeanor at Nordstrom's. So anyone, anyone who has any experience with this, any returning citizens or anyone who leads an organization of returning citizens who wishes to work with us, please do. Look, we've got about uh, two minutes left, if that. It you know, you told us when you retired in uh, 97, you and your wife looked around for a place to, to retire to and put a list of things and said, well, that's Arlington County. T tell us uh, one, one thing that you really love about living here, and then we'd like you to make a call to, to challenge our listeners. Uh, one or two things. Maybe, you know, talk about to your mosque or church about voice or, you know, form a relationship of some kind that leads to something around voice in your in your particular congregation, just in one or two minutes. Okay, it was really, I was at the Arlington County Fair, and someone said, do you have a story about Arlington? And they invited me into a, a little television booth, and I told the story about how when I retired, my wife and I were deciding where to move, and we took the, t the classic yellow, long yellow tablet and started writing down all we wanted and a place to look. And we got done and looked just like Arlington. And, <laughs> and we had bought this house in Arlington in 1976, and this was our principal source of investment. And it really increased in value. And the idea was to cash in and move out. But when the time came, this was it. And uh, there's so much about Arlington that we like. It's, I can't do it in two minutes. Quick call to action to listeners, how but to get involved with voice. Go to our website. There's instructions on how to contact voice. You can send an email. You have a phone number. I mean, if you uh, address it to me, if you want, I'll be happy to come to talk to your congregation, and I another, no other people will. But, you know, I want to add one thing, please. If I had to tell my Arlington story now, I'm going to have to say that I am disappointed. I am disappointed that diversity is vanishing in Arlington. Arlington is evolving towards a, a de facto gated community. And it's not the fort of the county board. The county board is doing 
what it, I mean, it has to do more, but there's no policies that encourage this. It's just happening. And so this is, if I had to say it again, I'd say this is one of the things that really has disappointed me. All right. Well, look, Robert, thank you so much for joining us. We love what Voice is doing to build bridges between different faith groups and promote social justice. If you want to find out more about Voice, go to voice-iaf.org. Uh, more information uh, will be posted on our Facebook, Twitter pages, website. Ed, my friend, talk us out of this one. This is Ed and Sal signing off from Grayson 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Have a great night and be sure to tune into Grace. Grace.